Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoREI.com. Today's episode features Joe Turner. Joe is an incredibly successful real estate business owner, investor, mother, and coach. She talks of VA loans, entrepreneurship, creative investing, and a unique rental dilemma. All right. So today we've got Joe Turner. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You are a successful, independent woman. I like that. Keep and we going. can leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So uh, you are on my team. You are co-owner of the team. You helped me grow it from scratch. And uh, what do we do now? I don't know. I could not be more grateful for the opportunity. I remember meeting you three and a half years ago. At your Coeur d'Alene REI investment event. Before it was the North Idaho REI. Before it was the North Idaho REI and you were wearing a lime green shirt and I hated it. It was pretty bad. It was a horrible shirt, but I said, you know what? I'm going to partner with this guy. We're going to grow a great team. You did not say that. You were like, I'm joining John L. Scott Realty. <laughs> Screw off, would you? <laughs> But I bought you lunch and you changed your mind. I did. <laughs> I was really lucky to have this opportunity. <clears throat> and I could never have imagined that we would be where we are now. And it's super fun and I love it. It's awesome. It's a great job. Yeah. So, um, real estate investments. You were an investor before you ever started. I was. Up here in North Idaho. Wisconsin, right? Yes. So, my history... Um, I was never really into real estate growing up at all. And then when I got married, when I was 24, <clears throat> we bought our first house for $99,000 in North Carolina. My then husband was military. And then I just became obsessed with real estate and watching HGTV and painting every room in the house and then mm -hmm. realizing that was a bad mistake. And, and, and then we moved but kept that first house as a rental in that that kind of got me started. And then as we moved in the military every couple years, that was kind of our thing. We'd try to find something we could put a little sweat equity, either a little or a lot of sweat equity into, live in it, fix it up, and then sell it or keep it as a rental every time we moved. Um, <clears throat> and you guys were getting VA, VA loans at the time, right? Yes. Yep. So tell, tell me about a VA loan for those who don't know. For those who don't know, if you have served in the military at all, um, or I think maybe minimum of 24 months, but um, most people qualify. Um, a VA loan is a, a great program where they usually have the lowest interest rates mm -hmm. and you don't have to put any money down. It's 0% down. And if you have even 10% disability, then you don't have to pay this funding fee, which usually gets wrapped into the closing costs anyway. Um, <clears throat> so it's just an incredible opportunity. It, you know, most people think they got to save up. 10, 20% to buy a house. Right. And you definitely don't if you're military. And both, and I served as well. So both my ex-husband and I used our VA loans. You can only have them on one property at a time, though. Um, there are a few exceptions to that, but I won't get into that. Well, uh, we can get into some quick exceptions, just okay. just for those that are savvy enough to catch on. All right. Um, but so right now, currently, you can a uh, VA loan, you can use up to, what, $417,000? I think it's benefits. up around 500000 now. I can't remember what okay, they just raised the limit. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, so that means, so if you have another VA loan that has a balance of like 200,000 um, and you move out of it, you rent it out, you could potentially, you can get another VA loan because you still have more benefits to you. You can use up to like close to 500,000 or so. Correct. Last I saw, I think it was 417, <laughs> but still. Yep. Um, you, you can use up to its full benefit. You don't have to use just one. Correct. But there may be some more fine print there as far as like the house might have to be so many miles away from the other house. Yeah, sure. Jeff, mm -hmm. definitely check with your local lender. It's worth looking into. Details. Yes, absolutely. So, <clears throat> moving around the country, military. Yes. Moving around the keeping country. Keeping houses or flipping them? Flipping them. Mostly selling. We, we, we didn't really hang on to a lot of them until we bought a house in Wisconsin. That's where I grew up and am from. Um, that one we chose to keep because we thought it was it's in a great neighborhood and we we weren't sure when my ex-husband was done with his military career if we were going to move back to it so that was the first one i think we kept and i still own today yeah. um and then once we he he retired from hawaii we moved to the Coeur d'Alene area about four years ago that's when we got really serious about <clears throat> buying rentals um and <laughs> We got up to five, we got divorced, I got to keep three, and now I've bought two more since then. So I'm back up to five. Back at five. So, yeah. And these are all high-quality, single-family homes. Exactly. You don't have multifamily. You have easy tenants, for the most part. Some are kind of stupid, from what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you don't typically have... You don't have much, many issues with these houses, right? Yeah, I'm of the mindset. I understand there's a million ways to do it. I like my slow and steady process of buying new construction or very nice homes that I live in for a year or, or maybe I don't live in but that I would happily live in. Mm -hmm. And I just want to get up to maybe 10 single-family homes and I'm good, you know? Yeah. Then I'm set. That's my retirement plan. One of them is a, a vacation rental in Seagull. Yeah. Um, and nice I love that one. But with every house, I think it's important to have multiple possible strategies with it. You know, worst case scenario, if I had to sell one or use it as an Airbnb or use it as a long-term rental, would it make sense? Or at least I would stay afloat. I wouldn't like go into foreclosure. So I always try to mitigate risk that way, I guess. Yeah. So, um, I'm curious what what motivates you to stay on the like the entrepreneur track where you're you know you don't have a steady paycheck being a realtor and you have risky rental houses. I slapped the mic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what like a lot of people in your position would be nervous, right? Like what 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 gets you through all that? What what motivates you? That's a good question. To not have that steady paycheck because you what. Just before I met you, you just you had a very secure job that you went to college for, and uh, you decided to give that up and jump into real estate. Yeah, I was a speech therapist, um, but I didn't. I wasn't very passionate about it, and <clears throat> I don't know why I'm passionate about real estate. It just makes sense to me. Um, you know, reading different books and studying things from Robert Kiyosaki to. I don't know, lots of different entrepreneurs and how really the riskiest thing you can do is just to either save money or um, have that safe job. And I, I don't know, I think I've been influenced by so many things. Even Jim Carrey had a really good speech where he talked about his dad that um, worked his whole life 
in a job he hated and then was like fired right before he could have got his pension. So you can you can spend your whole life doing something that you you don't love or you could just take a chance and do what you you know, what you love and yeah. um, I don't know, you might as well do that because it's a lot more fun and what keeps me motivated now is surrounding myself with amazing entrepreneurs and uh, people that are doing the same thing and having so much fun. I literally, I totally buy into, there's no like end point where then you retire and then you're happy. If you can have fun and laugh every day, like I won, I already won. And so I'm, I just wanna keep doing it because it's so fun and the you know money's only good for the good it can do and the more successful I am, the more people I'll be able to help. And yeah, that's kind of what I think. So you mentioned, um, paraphrasing now at this point, but um, it's that safe, secure job and saving money. You, you're not going down that route, but it, I, I'd like to kind of turn that on on its head for those that like, don't know what you're talking about. So when you're when you have a job, it's not necessarily safe and secure because you only have one client, and that client is your boss, and you can be fired at any time, and then you have zero income, and you have to keep that one person happy. And you have to show up every day or it's all over, all the income. And when you save money, you're, you're investing in an asset that's going down in value every year. The U.S. dollar is doing nothing but going down. It's like, it's like throwing water in a, a small kid's pool and letting it sit there all year. It's just going to evaporate. Or get gross. And get gross. <laughs> it's, it's almost the same thing. Like, but when you're invested in real estate, it's going to grow with the market. It doesn't matter what the U.S. dollar is doing. People still need housing. Exactly. It's an asset that can bring in income. And when you're like a real estate agent or you have some other businesses, um, you can get fired by a client and be just fine because you have 400 others or as many as you want to go after and get. As long as you, you know, you're decent at a skill and you can just do it and you don't have to worry about showing up. You, know, you don't have to show up on a Tuesday if you don't want to and not have to worry about getting fired by somebody. Mm -hmm. So for those out there that think not having a safe, secure job and not having your traditional savings is, you know, not ideal or ideal, just think about it that way. It, I actually think it's way more risky to be an employee and to just have a savings account than, than anything I can imagine. But go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, I couldn't agree just, more. And that's why I basically take the money I make from my real estate job and invest in real estate because now with the cash flow from that and a few other things, if I don't make a commission, one more commission this year, I'll probably be just fine because I don't have any other debt. I don't have a truck payment anymore. I don't have any consumer debt. I have a low mortgage on my personal residence and my grocery bill. I'm very lucky with healthcare because I was in the military that that's not a big concern. So. I don't know. I just, uh, I'm so grateful to be in the position I'm in now because I invested in real estate and it makes me capable of, or allows me to be even, I don't know, more of an entrepreneur and risky or whatever, because I have that safety net. Cause I'm not as risky as you are with like, I think you take bigger risks on flips that are, need to be gut jobs and all that kind of stuff. I'm more like the slow, steady, get rich slowly kind of person and it's worked um, just fine for you and it I'm so <laughs> grateful because now I'm in a position where I I'm literally 
I'm not like, like, you know, financial independence communities call it um, fat fi when you're like, I could travel the world in first class. No, I'm not at that level. But like mm-hmm. I said, I'm at a level where now I, it's okay. I can be a little bit more risky or not have a steady paycheck like so many people think that they need. So. Gotcha. So what's, what's a day look like in Joe Turner land? you know you don't have a safe secure job you can like you're an agent Uh and an investor so what's the average day look like for you do you do you wake up to an alarm clock your kids screaming in your face yeah they're screaming in my face (laughs) (laughs) no um my kids are 13 and 15 now so um yeah, I, when I have them, I have to get up and take them to school, and then I come into the office. A smart guy once told me a huge part of success in real estate is just showing up. Just show up. It's amazing how many opportunities that you weren't even thinking about kind of fall in your lap. If you show up, if you surround yourself with the right people, and you do the 20% that really makes a huge difference that with the 80-20 principle. So what is that 20%? For, for me, yeah, it's um, right now it's more like coaching my team or the agents on our team and still making phone calls and contacts with past clients. Um, if I do that for an hour or two every day, it seems like the rest just kind of works itself out and, and making sure like our, our, our events, our monthly events are mm-hmm. put on and successful. And um, if I just do those few things, it's amazing how successful we still continue to be, even though I feel like I'm working less than ever. Yeah. The first year I did work very hard. I worked every you weekend. Did. I did open houses. I, I put my uh, a lot of time and effort in. And but using the power of leverage and you know hooking up with the right people has allowed me now to maybe work 20, 30 hours a week, and uh, and have a ton of fun doing it. So. Yeah. This is your fourth year now? Mm-hmm. In real yeah, estate. Just started fourth year. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So over time, your work weeks have get, are getting less and less. Like, <laughs> yeah. As far as hourly. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Cool. You look like you wanted to say something. No, yeah. I'm just I'm surprised you're not like, why don't you step it up there, business partner? <laughs> put some more time. <laughs> oh, like I'm gonna put you out here on the spot. <laughs> I mean, I will if you want me to. <laughs> Make more calls. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what's what's next for you? Do you have any other? Um, house opportunities that you're looking at I I um, want to continue my for my investing what's next um, you know I'm a single lady and so <laughs> I'm going to continue you can to... send your inquiries to <laughs> um, what is it joeturneridaho at gmail.com is yeah, that right yeah that's my email mm-hmm. J-O Turner <laughs> just like it sounds idaho at gmail.com Send in your dating resumes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, my plan is to just keep buying a house every year and keeping the last one as a rental as long as that continues to make sense with the market. Our area is crazy. We're seeing 10% or, you know, plus or minus appreciation every year. And as long as I keep buying at that average price point, around 300000 is what Kootenai County is. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I'm okay with knowing the market will shift and go up and down, but... You know, I am putting 20% down now, and I just feel like uh, in 30 years, I'm going to be pretty happy that I'm doing this now. So. Great. Okay. Um, can you tell me, like, what's your favorite investment house that you have? And tell me all about it. 
My favorite investment house um, is probably um, a house I have in on Amanda Street. Well, I don't know that one or the Bottle Bay one. I'll do what I like about the one on Amanda Street in Rathrum, Idaho. I purchased it um, oh about a year and a half ago now, mm-hmm. um, and part of this was timing and luck, um, but part of it was just you know making a smart decision too. So I purchased it for about $245,000 a year and a half ago. And I put 15% down and the interest rate was 5.125%. So my payment was about $1,400 a month. I rented it for $1,800 a month. So it was cash flowing right away, 15% down. In in the last year, because that was an up and coming new construction development. You also got a commission too. Yes. And I got a commission, which I used to do the landscaping and the fencing. So mm-hmm. I kind of call that a wash of it. Okay. Um, in a year, I went through divorce. I had to <laughs> I had to refinance to get my now ex-husband off the loan. But it appreciated it and uh, appraised at 315000 So I was able to do a cash-out refinance, keeping 25% equity in the property, and because I did that, the interest rate went down to like 4.25%. I pulled out 40000 which was pretty much my 15% down. Tax-free. Tax-free. And my payment went down a little bit. So I basically mm-hmm. did the Burr strategy on a new construction on accident. But I <laughs> basically... <laughs> yeah, it's like Yeah. It's now it's an infinity investment property. Like I, all, so you got all your I got all my money, money back. back. And now it's just going to cash flow and make me $500 a month. So you got a free house. I got a free house. New construction house. New construction house. So four car or three car garage, mm-hmm. four bedroom, new construction. Got all your money back. It's cash flowing. Great interest rate. Not a bad move. I can't. Yeah, that one. I, and I know like a lot of luck things happened with appreciation and yeah. whatnot. But uh, at the same time, you, I would have been totally fine keeping it too as when I purchased it. So, um, yeah, nice. yeah, that's probably my favorite one. Okay. Um, how's this? So you and you were going to mention the vacation rental. Yes. So that's a little different beast. Um, that one also turned out great. And, and I have other ones that are not going so great. So I don't want to make it sound like everything I touch turns to gold. We can get into my problem house too, if you want. Um, but that one had an amazing, it has an amazing view of city beach, um, in Sandpoint. It also, when I, I don't know how much detail you want me to get into here, but um, I found the property and I looked at its history and noticed it also had been listed with the waterfront lot in front of it. And so I essentially worked out a deal with the seller that I would rent that waterfront lot with an option to purchase um, for three years. And then and I bought the house for like $365,000. Um, <clears> we <throat> we rented it through the summers on Airbnb. Um, also when I was purchasing it during the inspection period, the roof was really close to needing replaced and the heat pump had some issues. Um, they had, we had already worked in a credit, so they couldn't really credit us anymore. So the creative thing we did there was they actually upped my commission cause I'm an agent. So mm-hmm. that was, um, I got $5,000 more just being an agent and, yeah. and working that deal out. So that was pretty neat. And then, um, so it sleeps 10 people, is a crazy good view. 
Um, and I basically I made like over thirty grand last summer with it, so I made my investment back. On so that. we can, can we talk about the numbers a little bit more sure. in detail about when you, the purchasing end of it? So, yeah. So this was a secondary waterfront house, and you're leasing the waterfront across the street that had a dock on it. Yes. Um, and the, the purchase price was three hundred and sixty-five. Three sixty-five, mm-hmm. and if I remember right, you got a second home loan, which required ten percent down. Yes. And how much was your? How much was that ten percent? I guess thirty thirty thirty-six thousand. Yep. But and what was your total commission? The total commission was. It, it was going to be like around $9,000, I think, was 3% or, or so. Yeah, and, plus an additional five. So you got 14000 something? Yeah, almost $15,000 I was able to get as a commission. Okay. Um, so, you had, so you had to put about of your own cash, 19000 or so, right. to buy basically a vacation property with mm-hmm. an awesome view of the water. And then the lease on that land was like 200 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Didn't even cover the taxes for the owners. <laughs> right. Just the nicest Canadian couple you can imagine. They're like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah just take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you got this investment property that you also get to use. Yes. Um, for about 19000 down, if you count your commission. Mm-hmm. And then after the, full, the first full year, um, it actually made you money on top of that, right? Yes, like absolutely. So back. I put a long-term tenant in there that doesn't quite pay the mortgage, so... The mortgage is about twenty one hundred, and I rent it out for nineteen fifty from like October through to May, um, and then it rents for close to four hundred dollars a night uh, for the peak summer nights of July. Four hundred a night—that's huge. Yes. Yeah. And I think we only had maybe two vacant days in July and August. Those are the keys. In yeah. June and September, kind of the little off months, I rent it for two fifty a night. Okay. So I'm still playing around with it, um, and that's my best advice for people in this area anyway I think Airbnb and BRBO have some pricing tools they don't seem super accurate in our area but I just compared to what other people were doing and then the fact that I have eight nine weeks booked by January of the summer yeah says that I'm probably priced a little low still but I'm just I like the peace of mind to know that it's booked as well um, yeah so it worked out so after that, I remember you did the math for a presentation, but I can't remember exactly. About how long did it take until you got all your money back? The first year, your, yeah. Okay, so after the first year, you got all your initial investment back. Yeah. Plus, on top of your payments. Right. And then if you factored in the appreciation we saw yeah. and some other things. That, but even if you don't factor in the appreciation, yeah. it only took about one year before you to get all you got all your money back. So you got this vacation house. Mm-hmm. With a water view and you know, at least in the waterfront lot, at no cost to you after the first year. Yep. Pretty incredible. Thanks. And there's equity, like a lot, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a. But it, I mean, it'll need the, it still needs a new roof, which has been leaking on my tenants right now. And oh, geez. Um, the power went out and fried the oven, so we just had to get a new oven. I mean, there's all these things. Slumlord. <laughs> Slumlord alert. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got pretty lucky with these tenants, though. My water heater exploded on New Year's Eve. Uh, lovely phone call for that. <laughs> Luckily, the tenant is like, I'll just run to Home Depot and get one and install it and do everything if you want to pay me a couple hundred dollars. So mm-hmm. the whole thing costs like 800 bucks, which I'm sure a plumber would have charged me like two grand on New Year's Eve at least to do yeah. it. So I got super. So tenant, I cannot emphasize tenant selection enough. 
we can go into my current horror story. Sure. If you want. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so that Wisconsin house. Yes. How long have you owned that thing? Since 2013, so seven years now. About seven years. And then this year, some not-so-good things happened to it. <laughs> right. So I've had um, good tenants. Um, I think the first tenant was in there. I actually think I've only had two two families in there. The first family stayed for almost three years and um, didn't take care of it great, but took care of it well and always paid on time. Um, so they were moving out. They decided to buy a house and um, not being there. I live in Idaho and this house is in Wisconsin. Um, my mom <laughs> helps me um, show the house, the property, and screen the tenants yeah. a bit. Because you self-manage all your own properties, right? I do self-manage them currently, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I was anxious to get a tenant lined up, and I didn't do my due diligence like I should have. These, This family I selected, um, you know, they could not have been nicer and sweeter on the phone, and... Um, you know, I just couldn't get a hold of their references, but they just seemed like such a sweet family. They had a sweet 10-year-old little girl. My mom yeah. just said they just seemed so nice. And so I was like, I'm sure they're fine. And so I did not follow up and really research. And also, I did think, I did get talked to the wife's boss, and he raved about her too. So I did have a couple good references. But, um, you know, I in my gut, even if looking back, I remember thinking like, eh, I hope this is fine, but they're not <laughs> as like... Sometimes you just know immediately that these tenants are solid, right? And I yeah. didn't get that feeling with them. Anyway, long story short, they paid they paid on time for the first year. Um, and then they started missing payments. Um, they did always eventually pay until November. Um, you can't you can't control this, you can't predict this, but the father actually committed suicide in the house. Yeah. Right? There's no way you can screen for that and know that that's going to happen. Um, and so I've been struggling with of course, you know, I want to be compassionate and help these people and I've given them and the, the wife so many, you know, chances to to pay and to I'll work with you I'll even pay for moving just trucks communicate with you. communicate they yeah. just well they had been horribly communicating the last four or five months um, and being super late with pain and it was I started the eviction process actually a couple times in August and September and then they finally pay and then like I said the husband tragically killed himself um, in the garage of the house um, so actually tomorrow they're finally having the court date for the eviction, I, I had no choice. I've now lost $8,000 because the mortgage is almost $2,000 a month. They haven't yeah. paid December, January, or February, so I have to evict them. So that's the unfortunate rental situation yeah. that I'm going through right now. So when you have a few rentals, it's a good idea to have a little savings yes. just in case stuff goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, and you I, should never be cutting it too thin. Exactly. And I recently refinanced that property. Um, as part of the divorce and pulled out 120 grand of equity. Uh, so yeah. even though I'm losing 8,000, I try to look at it like, oh, it's like I only pulled out 110 grand. <laughs> like just trying to be... Make yourself feel better. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are losing like crazy. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But but I, I, I'm very thankful that this isn't going to break me. I'll just have to get through it and it'll just be another story. And you have to have... Resilience, if you're going to be a landlord, even with A, quality properties. Um, but like I said, I think the biggest 
lesson there is to really um, feel confident about your tenants because yeah. I knew that, that something seemed a little off. Not that you can predict the, the, how tragic it got, but um, I don't know. I just could do better next time. What would you do differently next time, assuming, you know, that happen, assuming that happens and then communication starts to become really foggy and you're not getting any payments? Um, well, as I don't know, a part of me, I definitely had people say I should start the eviction process immediately, but I also wanted to be really compassionate and try to do, you know, is this a hard balance? I don't know if I could have evicted them any faster when they were missing payments back in August or worked with them back then. Um, I think at the end of the day, you just can't control for everything and you just have to mitigate your risk with having savings to make sure, like they say, that's why lenders make you have six months in reserves for every property, right? Because, because stuff like this can happen. And I'm lucky that I'm cash flowing very nicely on all my other properties. So that really helps offset this loss too. So, yeah. Yeah. That reserve requirement is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. The lenders have done this before. Yeah. Mm, They're not always stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, weird. Weird. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, what's next for you? Um, Investment-wise, like I said, I'm just... Well, I kind of want to stabilize because of that Wisconsin property yeah. hitting me hard and the divorce and everything and just stabilize. But I bet by the fall, I'll definitely be under contract in another single-family home, whether I'm going to move into that one or just keep it as a rental. Still want to get about two a year. So in about three years, I should be at my goal of 10 and then see where I'm at in my life then and see if I want to keep going and growing or if I'm good and I want to pay some of them off. Um, I just want to be open to what the best path is. Okay. Meantime, with our team, I want to keep growing it and supporting our team to kick butt and I love that all the agents on our team are also investors so whatever I can do to help them um, reach their goals is kind of my goal too we have a pretty awesome team we have an amazing team super grateful and we're going to Mexico next week to celebrate we are this weekend (laughs) this weekend you'll see the North Idaho REI team in Cancun Mexico (laughs) (laughs) poor Sabra has to stay back Oh, well, somebody's got to work. Next year, Sabra. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Now get back upstairs and get to work. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Shed Podcast. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel for instant access to all future episodes. If you or someone you know has investing experience or stories to share, reach out to us in the comments or via email.